So for JMU football, some healthy bodies come back. They lose some healthy bodies with a scrimmage uh, over at Bridgeport Stadium. But overall, getting a sense of you know where the Dukes are at this point. I'm Shane Metlin. I'm here with Noah Fleischman. You're listening to the Purple and Bold podcast from the Daily News Record, talking all things JMU sports. Um, we'll hit on a lot of football stuff here in the next you know half hour or so. But start off with you know some of the other things going on around JMU. Um, recent hire in the uh, baseball program got their full staff going at this point. Um, some teams about ready to start their seasons. Noah, I'll let you start out. Just tell me about. Um, Baseball team, you wrote about the new assistant coach. Tell me what we need to know about this guy. Yes, they had Mike Roberts, who he's had two stints at UVA. Um, that's where he's coming from. Uh, first stint was as the director of video and scouting, and this most recent one was just as a volunteer assistant. Um, in between there, he became a firefighter in Henrico County, just outside of Richmond. Um, so kind of interesting career path to end up here. But, I mean, he played at VMI for Eikenberry there. was a volunteer assistant there before going to UVA and winning a national championship. So, Overall, it's a good hire for JMU, and then I can bury and everyone are, are excited to have. Yeah, one of those ones that you know makes a lot of sense when you see who, who's available when you got a staff uh, opening, and you know somebody that I can bury is very familiar with, who's very familiar with this area and region makes a lot of sense. Seems like um, baseball programs just kind of ready to move forward after a somewhat semi-successful season. Um, some good things happen in the program. I know a lot of people want to see some more wins from JMU baseball. And they've gotten recently, but it does seem like the program's on pretty solid ground compared to maybe where it was a few years ago. Yeah, I mean they they had their second best season conference wise under Eikenberry since arriving in 2016. Um, the next year they've got a solid core returning for their fifth year and using that COVID year. So I think overall they'll be good. I'm just replacing Alex Guerra, who took the head coaching job at Radford. Um, that's why there was an opening on staff. It was nobody got fired, nothing like that. Just actually got promotion, so kind of cool there. Yeah, just looking around the rest of the JMU, uh, got women's soccer going to kind of kick off the school year, the uh, 2021. Against my alma mater. 22, you know, athletic year for JMU. Getting it started, uh, yeah, like you said, against VCU, which is a good women's soccer program. They're going to be at Centara Park on Thursday getting things started. Um, They're picked near the top of the Sun Belt. Jamie Volleyball is picked near the top of the Sun Belt. Uh, men's soccer, not near the top of the Sun Belt, but I think some reasonably high expectations that they can possibly be an NCAA tournament team, just given how good that league is in men's soccer. So all those sports, you know, close to getting started with um, some pretty high expectations going into this fall. Yeah, I mean, you look at, you talked about, you know, volleyball, for example, I think they're tied. What were they tied in the East for the first spot? I mean, you've got yeah. men's soccer who... Picked in the middle of the pack, but this is a program that, you know, three of the people ahead of them are in the top 15 of the country. So I think that's just something to show that it's going to be a tough soccer conference, and you can win some big games. You're, you're going to punch your ticket as an at-large team, and I think that's kind of what they're hoping for maybe is, you know, you win these big conference games, and you don't have to win the conference tournament to get in. Yeah, and all, all those um, programs have a lot of their top players coming back, names that if you, you know, follow – JMU on social media or anything like that. You've seen these names before being, you know, standout all conference type players. So um, in addition to all the excitement around the football program moving to FBS, there's a lot of other things to kind of keep an eye on in the fall um, with JMU joining the Sun Belt and, you know, potentially being very competitive right off the bat in a variety of sports. 
Yeah, and I think that's kind of what, what we thought from this this move. You know, that JMU, it's a football-based move, sure, but, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of sports that are going to be competitive in a very competitive league, like men's soccer, for example. So I think that's what you want to see. Volleyball is going to make a big splash, and Sunbelt has a chance to win that, and you got to talk about women's soccer doing the same. So I think, uh, you know, it's a good move, and, you know, don't let football overshadow the other fall sports this this semester because it'll be some good sports out there, whether it's at some Terra Park or, or with some volleyball. Well, you didn't make it all that easy to transition to football, though, when you say don't let them overshadow it. But <laughs> I was going to, like, you know, make a quick transition into football because that's where we are. We You've been out at practice basically every day. Every day, yes. Yeah. I've not missed one yet. Yeah. Um, Cross our fingers you know, here. They're, they're practicing close to every day, I guess is what I mean. And then you know is there. I've been to several of them. But um, I don't know what to think about expectations as for this team as I it my mind changes almost <laughs> every time I go out there every time I hear something I hear somebody getting hurt I hear somebody coming back I hear this guy looks good I hear this unit is struggling and I don't know if I've changed so much on like you know that you know four to six win range that they probably could be in but yeah I just really don't know like what to expect as far as just proficiency from this team, like right off the bat? Yeah, I'm gonna keep my uh, my four my three to four win prediction, you know, and then keep it. Let's just lock it in, I guess, right now preseason. But you know, it's a team that they've dealt with injuries during this fall camp. A lot of guys have come back, which is I think what they expected. None of them were really that major. It was a lot of just you know hamstring problems, things like that. You know, you you spend a week on the sideline, then you're back out there. So that's where most of the issues were so far during camp and. And Cincinnati doesn't seem too concerned about what has happened. And, you know, there's a scrimmage on Friday that got canceled to regular practice. Um, they kind of just want to even break after scrimmaging on Saturday. You know, two scrimmages in a six-day span might not be <laughs> the greatest thing you want to have for, for your bodies, especially if you're starting to get some guys with hamstring problems and things like that. So overall, though, my expectation hasn't changed. Obviously, the offense is looking better than they did during the fall. I mean, spring. So that's probably the, the best thing to look at right now. I've heard that from multiple people now. You, Dave Rieger, um, other people. That the offense is coming along. They're looking better. What specifically are we seeing areas of improvement in? I imagine you know the quarterback's just getting yeah. sharper and sharper. That's uh, always a huge deal. But w- what else is looking better specifically? I mean, you, you talk about quarterback, right, and having consistency there. Todd Santeo is definitely the guy that has consistency. Billy Atkins has time as well. But, you know, Todd Santeo being a veteran guy, you know, Signetti talked about it on Saturday. He's just had a great last three days of practice and, and things like that. So they're really excited to see what they can see out of him. But the other thing is, you know, we're looking at the receivers. Reggie Brown has really stepped up to be that 2-3 guy, you know, right right there with, with Terrence Green. And that's what they need, right, to be opposite of Chris Thornton, somebody that can make damage. And Terrence Green's that, like, I guess 2A and you've got 2B and, and Reggie Brown, who I think is might be the other positive thing sticking out. Um, you saw the – the highlight video they put out from Saturday and Terrence Green with the one-handed catch in there. So looking all right to replace Antoine Wills. Yeah, Terrence Green has looked good in what I've seen of them. And obviously, I don't know if everybody understands that when we go to practice, we don't really see When we go anything. to practice, yeah. we see – here's what we see. We see – so we show up at, you know, in the morning. And the first thing we see is like, oh, they're in individual stuff for like a minute. And then they go to a walkthrough, and it's just the offense and defense on the separate side of the field doing their thing. They, they go through a script of plays and the twos and the threes. They go into a stretching thing, and then 
we're done. Or they go in the individual sometimes, and then we're, we leave after that. So we don't really see them as a full 11 on 11 ever. The most we see is 11 on zero. And, I mean, you can see stuff in that, but it's also harder to see sometimes. But the individual stuff also shows some improvement. Yeah, and yeah, that's what I was getting at is, you know, we don't see um, anybody breaking tackles. We don't <laughs> no. see – we don't see quarterbacks handling pressure or anything. We see them, you know, running through offense, their scripted plays and everything, and you get a sense of some things. Um, you know, like, you know, one of the things that jumped out to me early was, you know, looking at freshmen like Alonzo Barnett, uh, Wayne Knight, some of those guys. They're running third string, but they're they're running through those scripted plays very sharply and um, a lot of attention to detail And it's one of the things that's kind of jumped out to me. But, you, yeah, like you said, we don't really see other than – the clips on social media of the scrimmage we don't really see them playing live football very much um that said what, what are we getting out of what we've seen through the first several practices here like, yeah i mean you know a guy like wayne knight you brought him up right he's like a 5-8 running back freshman guy at a delaware he's gonna show up to play in the backfield i mean you talk about this backfield being deep but i think he's a guy who could be a third down back for this team you know you take him off you put him on the field he's a different size back than all the other running backs they have he's a different style i mean he's 5'8 but his calves are as big as my whole body so i mean he's a mass he's got some big legs he he can run and he can catch the ball so i think he, he might be that third down back for jmu just to switch the pace up a little bit have a, a smaller guy shiftier guy in the game and you know i think that's going to be something to, to watch you know against middle tennessee yeah i don't know if the coaching staff had any influence over what highlights showed up on that um instagram twitter video from the scrimmage but there were some Wayne Knight highlights on that um and like I said you know as deep as that running back room is I don't know if anybody was really expecting him to be a guy who gets a ton of carries but I think looked, he's gonna be a productive back yeah it looked like he was catching balls out of the backfield um and yeah there might be a role for him on this team just just from what like to clarify once again we don't see as much even though we're going to lots of practices as maybe a lot of the fans like expect us to be able to come back and report on but um, that is a guy who has really kind of jumped out to me, like just as like if not this year, they got a good one in this like recent recruiting class. And then wait for his brother to show up next year, and then yeah. you've got the night the <laughs> night duo on offense. But yeah, overall, I think you know he's a guy that can break into that their rotation at running back and definitely get in there with a guy like Percy J. Obisay, Latrell Palmer, people like that. You know, Carolyn Black, who's coming back from injury this year, bunch of guys, and I think that he's got a shot to be that fourth back. Yeah. Um, you know, talking about him as the fourth back, are the three backs about who we're expecting with the, yeah. you know, Percy? Percy Luttrell, Kalon probably is your top three backs. Yeah. The ones we'll see the most. I mean, but Wayne Knight definitely has a shot. A guy like Solomon Van Horst has a shot, you know, more of a special teams role kind of probably for him, but mm-hmm. definitely the shot to be that, that shiftier guy, and, and he can catch the ball really well. So I think that's another thing for him. Yeah, so let's talk about Kalon Black because of the running backs that are back from last year, he's – the one we haven't seen super recently but sounds like people are pretty high on him coming back healthy and being a really productive guy for this team i mean he looks great you're looking at his body and everything he he moves well right now on the field which is something you want to see after coming back from an injury like that that he had but obviously he's a small sample size that we've seen him play at jmu obviously came in during the spring season played last fall got hurt early in the year last fall but there's only one running back last year to record a hundred yard game and it was Kalen Black. And so I think, obviously, Percy was out at the time. But that just shows what he's capable of. Even though it's a small sample size, I still think that he's capable of doing that each week. And 
he might not be that he's not going to be the number one back most likely, but he'll get a lot of carries and a lot of opportunities to, to make an impact on the field. Yeah. Given, you know, we're talking about all these different guys, all these guys playing different roles, having different specialties. Will we see many 100-yard games? Will we see a 1,000-yard rusher on this team? Or will it be <clears throat> a few guys that have rushed for 600, 700 yards and um, very productive running back unit, but maybe no stars? Yeah, I think we will see a productive. I don't know if we're going to see a 1,000. One, because of the depth they have there, and the quarterback will probably run at times. And two, they're playing 11 games. So it's hard to rush for 1,000 yards in 11 games. People are used to, you know, Percy put up over 1,000 um, in 2019, but he played 16 games that year throughout the playoff run and everything. So don't think we'll see a thousand, not only with the four to five backs we'll see at the backfield, but also a running quarterback, whoever it is, Todd Sintail, Billy Atkins, um, either one can run and, and we've seen that. Um, so I think we'll have a guy, you, you could see someone get to seven, 800 yards. I think you could average 70, 80 yards a game. Um, but I don't really think you're going to see you. There will be, I will call it right now. There will be 100 yard games throughout the year. I just don't think it'll be the same player on a consistent basis. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Speaking of the running quarterbacks, <laughs> I think we've come as close to Kurt Signetti. Um, we've hinting as a starter, <laughs> not naming a starter, but like as hinting, as where the quarterback race stands as we've had since the spring. Yep. Um, you know, just his praise of Todd Santeo lately. Not not that that's a surprise at all. I think, you know, everybody around the country has expected yeah. him to come in and be JMU's starting quarterback. But um, interesting that this week was the time where he really started being talked about in that way by the coaching staff. Yeah, after the scrimmage on Saturday, kind of asked, like, you know, who stuck out to you? Like, since the since fall camp, like, began and in the end of spring, like, who stuck out to you? And his unprompted answer was, you know, Todd's had a really good three days of practice. And he talked about, you know, he's a veteran quarterback. Nothing surprises him anymore. And he's picked it up well. And I think that, you know, obviously it's you should expect when you get a sixth-year quarterback coming in is he can learn the playbook and play week one. Um, I think Middle Tennessee is probably expecting to see Todd Santeo out there. But first – for those that don't know, Kurt Signetti is the kind of guy to really name drop you unless he really likes you. I mean, you've seen that before. He said did that with Trent Hendrick, a freshman linebacker, a few weeks ago, bringing him up out of the blue. So unless he really likes what he see on the field, he's not going to really bring you up much, like name drop you. And so by him doing that, it's, it's a positive sign in the quarterback race. And I don't know if we hear a starter get named in the next week or two, but I think all signs are starting to point one way. Yeah, that is a good point. You know, we saw that with Sam Kidd last year, where all of a sudden uh, he's brought up kind of unprompted, and then all of a sudden he's you know <laughs> one of the best players on that defense. You know, finally healthy and getting all the reps and everything. Um, yeah, when we talk about Centeno, I, I found it interesting too that he decided to kind of highlight him at a recent you know talk with the media because he also after the Saturday scrimmage. Basically, one one of his criticisms was we turned the ball over too much, and my first thought was like, are they throwing interceptions? Because um, that's you know kind of like the key I think for Santeo coming in is he threw too many interceptions yeah. last year. It was almost a one to one ratio at, at Colorado State. Yeah, and you know it was, it was exactly one and a half to one. <laughs> it was you know um, he threw too many interceptions at Colorado State last year. Kurt Signetti's quarterbacks traditionally do not throw very many interceptions, so. If he had time to kind of, you know, be taught 
the Signetti way, I guess, is the question coming in after spring last year. So I do think it's interesting that he didn't decide to kind of highlight Todd playing well as maybe a hint that that's not the source of the uh, concern as far as uh, turnovers go from the scrimmage. Yeah, I mean, it's a scrimmage. I mean, we're in full camp. First scrimmage of the camp, I think you expect interceptions to happen. You expect those things. Whenever they have the second one, if they do have a second one, I think that's where you want to see a lot cleaner play from everybody on the team, right? Your first scrimmage, maybe your juices are up. You're going to force some things, and that's going to happen. Obviously, he talked about too many penalties, too many turnovers and that, but then he, he said all three quarterbacks played well and then decided to keep going with Todd and talk about that. But, you know, overall, it's quarterback competition's going as expected right now, right? Nobody's blowing up yet crazy because he, he talked about, you know, he'll make a decision when someone pulls away from the pack. We've seen Todd Sinteo be consistent in that, but I haven't seen him in a, in a game, so it's hard to really, like, say it like, you know, he's pulling away because we see him in, in individual drills. Well, I think anyone can look good in, in a throwing the ball of 20 yards down the field. It's kind of, you know, having 11 guys on the other side. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's switch it over to the defense because we haven't talked very much about them. They're a little harder to talk about based on what we've seen. You know, we've seen a lot of slapping dummies and diving on mats and <laughs> yeah. things like that. But is there anybody, I guess maybe they'll come as a surprise defensively? I know I think depth at linebacker is probably still a concern, especially guys getting banged up a little bit. Um, what do we need to look for defensively here over the next two weeks before they suit up and take the field? Yeah, I mean, the secondary is thin. We've talked about that. We didn't really get a We haven't had a podcast since this happened, but you have Deion Jones walk away from football, and you had um, Antonio Webb transfer, a corner and a safety. So obviously, that leaves your defense, your, your secondary to thin. And at this point, when you think about it, a corner, you're going to play young guys, right? To get it. You've got Jordan Swan, who's probably the most senior, you know, cornerback, and he'll obviously probably be on one side. And you look on the other side, who, who do you put out there? You can put a guy like Antoine Booth from Michigan State transfer who took him some time to, I think, grasp the system early in camp. He's starting to get a hang of it now. And But I also think you could put a guy, like you really think about it, um, and his name literally just slipped out of my head. You could put a guy like Brent Austin back there maybe, a, a freshman corner from California. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see someone like that or even a guy like um, – the names are all of a sudden just flying out of my head right now. But – Brent Austin, when we see, I would not be surprised to see Brent Austin, a guy like uh, Antoine Booth, a younger corner on the other side of, of him, just because the fact of <laughs> there's not a whole lot many many more guys they can t- turn to right now. Yeah, it, it is kind of – it's crazy when you look at the secondary, how experienced the safeties are. <laughs> yeah. And then the corners that you're going to put out there on an island sometimes are you know, very young or brand new to the system. Um could be a little dicey going against a team that's going to throw the ball a lot to start the season with the uh, Middle, Middle Tennessee. Tennessee. State. <laughs> um, you know, even if there's not super high expectations for Middle Tennessee State this year necessarily, they're going to test JMU where they're a little bit vulnerable, um, which could be interesting. You know, Brent Austin, if if we see the kid on the field this year, that's going to be pretty incredible considering one just random california recruit where jmu doesn't necessarily recruit that often guy who had i think what one other offer like coming yeah, out of high school not like yeah really. an, FC, an fcs offer um he's a track star yeah and um but apparently overlooked to some degree i mean even if it's a concern that jmu might be looking at true freshmen to play the fact that this guy is 
the one we're talking about is you know kind of a remarkable story like so far i mean if he's if he's stuff he would not be surprised him on the field week one even if he's starting or coming off the in a reserve role a corner just because the fact of you look around you're like it's not a lot of experience and if he sticks out i mean he's got the speed he can keep up with the receiver you know we might just have to hope the quarterback doesn't try to just pick on him all day but we'll see what happens and i wouldn't be surprised you know they have the, the fbi's transfers in there as well who are kind of learning the system still picking it up we've seen them you know bouncing around different different units in that just trying to figure out you know it's obviously different you come you spend spring ball kind of going over that and now coming in during the fall and you're brand new you got to figure it out on the fly and so i think that's why we see a little a little bit like that but you talk about safety you got sam kid back there you got a guy like jerry's Ramonique from arkansas state another grad student you got a few others that are you know chris jeffnicki so obviously experience there and they might have to help out there on the, the corners a little bit. Yeah, that was something I wondered about even in the spring is if we might see somebody who's been a safety kind of thrown over to cornerback out of necessity, and then they've lost some guys. <clears throat> but I don't know if we've really heard much I, I don't about think... that. Like, could a Q read or somebody yeah. like move over there? Um, but I haven't heard much of that from, like, anybody. Of, I haven't really you know, noticed authority. It. It's just something I've yeah. thought of. Like, But, you know, I don't know how easy – making that transition is especially two weeks before the season starts but the necessity might be there potentially if uh if even if they get banged up a little bit more it might be i think that we haven't seen them do that at practice like putting a safety in corner so i don't think that probably won't happen but if if they have injuries that might be the go-to option i mean you obviously don't want to do that but i also think you could take a safety and if they get thin at linebacker this year which could happen maybe not they can keep him healthy could drop us third drop another safety in that linebacker you've seen teams kind of use the rover kind of player and jamie uses it a little bit so you could do it that way too yeah i mean the fortunate thing for jamie when you're talking about linebackers is they're not playing an old three four style (laughs) thing where they've got to have like eight guys who can play you know they basically hardly ever have more than two linebackers on the field at once um and some of their defensive linemen are essentially a linebacker it, it, <laughs> yeah it's a different kind of system compared to you know what you would have saw 25 years ago like i mean um, they've got defensive tackles that are very mobile <laughs> yeah um so i guess you know after losing diamante tucker dorsey yep. losing a player of that caliber that talent is what hurts maybe more than just losing the depth aspect of it although i mean not that it's not a concern but you know you've got to have several corners who can play they might be able to get by with a you know three or four capable linebackers which yeah. it seems like they probably have that right now yeah i think they they, they have at least three to four linebackers that can get the job done you obviously look at like taurus jones and jalen walker probably the top two and then you just go down from there and i think you know you can get you can escape with that and they'll play well and they'll be good in this defense and i don't really see that being an issue I mean, defensive lines probably their the strongest suit but corner will be the one to watch you know we'll see how it goes week one we got two weeks away to, to figure that part out and we'll see if they get picked on or not it'll be a interesting time it'll, they'll get tested pretty quickly yeah i'll i'll ask you about the offensive line because i got a i got a dm from a fellow media member yesterday asking about jmu's defensive line or sorry offensive line um their question was mainly like are they going to be good they seem young and my response was, I think they could be pretty good. First of all, it's the 
first string looks like it's going to be the same group that finished the year with them last year. So they may yeah. be young, but they got some experience. Also, sometimes when you see a guy listed as a sophomore, he's really a junior because because uh, the spring the COVID, in the COVID year and everything else. Um, so there's that. Another thing that jumps out to me is you know <clears throat> I know you know we kind of been instructed by the coaching staff not to get too in depth on the uh, depth chart and everything, but let's just say that guys who have experience at the FBS level and have played a lot and have started some at the FBS level did not just come in and like get handed a starting spot on this offensive line. That to me is like a pretty good sign when you look at you know what they have there. I would say you can take that observation and really make it the whole team. We've seen that really. We go. I'll touch on the offensive line in a second. But when you look at the whole team, they brought in a lot of FBS transfers and a lot of left. Right. You, yeah. Obviously, Deion Jones was more of a personal reason of just being done with the sport. But you look at, you know, A.J. Davis, a running back from Pitt, he's transferred. Kobe White, a wide receiver from Boston College, transferred. So, obviously, they've had – they've they basically make you earn your spot no matter who you are, right? He talked about Todd Santeo earning that starting job when they brought him in in January. So, obviously, I don't think that, you know, when – if it's an offensive lineman transferring in from an FBS school, like, you know, they're not guaranteed the spot. And, obviously, we saw them get a lot of reps during the spring. They had injuries on that front. So, I think that – that maybe even helped this team having injuries on the offensive line in this spring because you got those younger guys a ton of reps with the first team, and I think that's going to be play a major role this year. If if one goes down, one of the starters go down, you've got the young guy who got you know eighty five percent of the snaps in the spring with the first team out there with the first team. So I think it'll be good. Yeah, <clears throat> and you look at the offensive line specifically too. They made changes late in the year last mm-hmm. year uh, to the depth chart basically like signaling these are our guys going forward into next year um but you know you you talk about like an aj davis i i expected when he signed that he would be a guy who would get some snaps at jmu and like apparently just you know wasn't beating out anybody else um you know kobe white similar but you knew jmu had some studs at those skill positions to begin with i think when you look at the offensive line like You know, you just look at guys coming from Coastal and Liberty, pretty solid programs. You maybe assume that those guys were ready to step in and play. And it's not that they're not ready to step in and play, but I do think it's interesting that they're not necessarily going to start week one, given what Jamie brought back on the offensive line. But yeah, I mean, you have an offensive line unit that almost played your way into the national championship a year ago. All right. And I don't know if do you, do you keep what's working. And I think you do. And I, but I also think at the same time you have depth at that position, which in this in this conference you need depth at offensive line because of the fact how run dominant this team's going to be this year. And if you don't have off, if you have offensive line injuries, which they did last year, it results in passing the ball more because you can't move the defensive line out of the way. And so I think that'll be the biggest key to this running attack is the offensive line and having depth there, no matter who is out there. I think will 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 work out well for them. Yeah. So before we wrap it up, just your overall thoughts on where JMU is now compared to a few weeks ago when they came out for that first practice. I think they're in a better spot offensively, defensively. As a complete unit, they're in a better spot now. I think there's work to do in the next two weeks to get ready for Middle Tennessee. Um, obviously being on right around the halfway point of camp right now, right? It's uh, August 17th, so yeah, right around the halfway point of camp, getting ready for Middle Tennessee, and I think that will be the biggest teacher, you know, I think – we can talk about how good they are, right? Going, but it really doesn't pay off till you get on the field against another team and show you what you're doing well and what you're not doing well. Yeah, 
when you look at that first game, how how do you think you know Middle Tennessee State is a good F, or an FBS team that made it to a bowl game last year? They lost some guys. They have some people back in key positions. How do they compare to say an upper level FCS team that might have played? early in the season, whether it's, you know, a Villanova, um, <clears throat> a Montana, or somebody they play, like, in the playoffs. Like, to just get a sense of where JMU might be after week one compared to what kind of talent they've had in the program in the past. Like, should we expect a similar kind of result as, say, with Middle Tennessee coming here as, say, if Montana was coming in? I think they're a better team, to be honest. I mean, you look at their record, you look at where they're picked in conference, you say they're, they're eighth. But, I mean, it's a team that went seven and six a year ago. They won a bunch of games toward the end. They won a bowl game. And this was all, they won a bowl game with a freshman quarterback. Their third quarterback of the season won a bowl game. I think that, that shows that this is a deep team. That's what Montana doesn't have. That's what a Villanova doesn't have is, is the depth, right? You, you, you wouldn't, an FCS freshman quarterback is not going to win a bowl game, most likely. Right, you can't drop the him into that team and make it work. So, and they've also got their their Chase Cunningham coming back, their star quarterback. I mean, he he only had three interceptions a year ago before he got injured with the torn ACL. So, I think that you know this is a better team. I think it's not going to be a pushover. I don't think you can pencil JMU in as a win right now. I think it's it's a pick'em game to be honest. I mean, JMU in Vegas is minus seven, but I think it's going to be a closer game than that. Yeah, you you hit on a little bit. Um... We saw that with Montana coming in here in the in the playoffs when they did have to make a quarterback change. Jamie made that guy's life absolutely <laughs> miserable. Um, <clears throat> might not be quite the same against the Middle Tennessee State, but given that, let's fast forward two weeks. It's September third. Jamie won by two touchdowns or lost by two touchdowns. Do you change your thoughts about where this team is going based on those results i would know i would leave them the same till we get to until you get to app state i mean that's gonna really be the the the, the litmus test pretty early of this team is gonna be good if they, if they play app state close i know we're, we're speaking about a game that's not till the third game fourth week of the year but that is gonna be the test at the beginning of the year obviously middle tennessee is gonna be a good starting benchmark of all right this is fbs football and then they have norfolk state which it's it's fcs opponents it's not going to be as as, te- as testing but i think when that app state game rolls around in boone north carolina that one will be the the big test yeah app state i'm thinking potentially national television depending on what app state does the first couple weeks of the season but... if if jmu beats middle tennessee and app state wins some games to start the year Maybe it's on ESPNU, ESPN, yeah. ESPNU probably, ESPN News, something like that. But it, it could be a 6 o'clock kickoff. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think it being a night game, no matter what channel it's on, whether it's on ESPN Plus or anything like that, I think if, if both teams are playing well, it's a night game. I'm thinking App State beats UNC to open the season. I think they're within a score of Texas A&M going to the fourth quarter, and people are high on App State, and that game gets picked up for national television. Um, just knowing the kind of atmosphere it'll be with the uh, – Oh, it's going to be, it's going to be yeah. a good atmosphere. I mean, yeah. JMU and App State, we'll talk about that week, of course, but they've got a, a rich history of playing each other in meaningful games, and there's not that many meaningful games they've played each other in, but, like, those games they have played, they've been great. Yeah. All right, well, 
<clears throat> I think we touched on just about everything we've seen from JMU football here in the first couple of weeks of practice. So good time to wrap this one up. <clears throat> I'm Shane Metlin here, as always, with Noah Fleischman, and you've been listening to the Purple and Bold podcast. Thank you for listening. <laughs>